Thank you, Heidi. You are dismissed. <laughs> Good morning, Rock Bible Church. I know she's walking out. I didn't know what to do. So I just, you know, you know me. When you don't know what to do, make a joke, right? That's, that's how it works. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. How are we this morning? Enjoy the worship? Okay. You got two weeks to get a backpack supply thing. You, you ready for that? Okay. Are we awake? Okay, okay good. All right. Well, we're going to invite our ushers up. We have uh, pens and outlines and Bibles for you to follow along in our study this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We also have prayer request cards that you can take, fill out, drop on the offering plate at the end. We would love for you to participate with us that way and allowing us to pray. And then we're going to go ahead and pray and get started into our study, our ongoing in Ecclesiastes. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for for what we heard this morning already uh, in our worship. Just thank you, Lord, for what was said in the prayer that your spirit interacts, strives after, chases our spirit. Lord, it's so easy for us to get taught up in what we can know or what we can do. Pray that we would be fascinated with your efforts towards us. Pray that that would be true this morning. Pray that it would be true out of your word. Pray that what we study this morning, Lord, honors you and your son, Thank you for this book. Thank you for our time. And thanks for those that are here. We want to honor you, Lord. We pray this in your son's name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, We're four books in, a third of the way through the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Generally thought of as written by Solomon, King Solomon, son of David. Uh, and everybody seemed to think, well, not everybody, but most people seem to think he may have been the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, the kingdom of Israel at its highest, all the tribes unified, and from all of his experiences, he gives out, here's what I've learned. And that's what we have in the book of Ecclesiastes. He, he tends to like bait and switch. I'm going to show you one thing, and then I'm going to drag you right over here and show you something else. He also tends to look at things in kind of a dark perspective. It's like, well, I guess there's no hope, which gives you a tremendous desire for what? Hope, right? You say, oh, there's, there's probably none of this. And then you go, well, no, but wait, there has to be some of this. Uh, and that's kind of what he's doing. And he's done that now with us uh, four chapters and, and asked kind of the question, why are we here? Uh, you know, what, what's our gain? We, we, we looked at that in chapter one, chapter two, is, uh, and three and four is the idea of pleasing God. And if you're going to please God, then what business is he in? And then last week we talked about uh, who are you toiling for? Who are you working for? And at church we always like to ask questions and the answer is always what? Yeah, we work for Jesus, right? But 
Solomon gets into this concept, yeah, we work for God, but who's the crowd that he's put you in? And how do you comfort them? How do you work with them? Uh, chapter 5, he's going to kind of give a little hint as to how do you accomplish all of those things so far. The four things that he's kind of pressed on, if you take the chapters at face value that someone else broke into chapters, right? Uh, how, do, how do we do those things? Uh, that's chapter 5. It's called Guard Your Go to God. You're going to see it in the first verse right as we get started, and then the rest of the chapter is going to kind of explain it. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. Guard, here's the first word of your outline sermon title, right? Guard your steps. Who are you really guarding? Guarding yourself, right? When we think of guarding... We, we, we guard a facility, we guard a country, we uh, put up security systems, we guard our kids around the hot stove, we, we guard all kinds of things. Very seldom do we think of guarding ourselves. And there's a little, little bit of a concept here that, that uh, Solomon's going to drag us into as we approach God, that we need to guard ourselves. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. We say house of God anymore? Let's contextualize this, right? Guard yourself when you go to church. <laughs> Why? Any thoughts on that? Do you, do you need to be guarded when you come to church? Uh, we say, uh, Rock, uh, welcome Rock Bible Church, Christ Center, biblically based, compelling, casual, right? Community, and what's the casual? in casual ways that welcome all to worship, right? Or in anywhere in that statement does it say, hey, uh, you need to be careful because you could get hurt here. You need to be protected. No, what are we, we're trying to draw everybody in. So why would you guard yourself when you come to church? What would you need to guard yourself from? Ulterior motives, Ulterior motives right? Competition, distraction. I know that never happens at this church, but you need to be educated so you can help others, right? When you go to the house of God, because who's there? God, okay. Uh, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. There's several concepts here I want to make sure we drag out. This is kind of the... the, the poster verse for the sermon today. It's what I put at the top of your outline there. Um, it, it says, guard yourself when you, when you go to be with God, because when you go, what's the top priority? Did you catch it? Listen. See, I'm, I'm, I'm very distractible, right? Wait, there's a light flickering? Wait, wait, no. In a lot of ways, I come to church and I could say, why are you going to church? Well, we have to go this week because we've got to make sure we get the backpack stuff because there's only two weeks left. Is that really my priority? Yeah, I'm supposed to make sure the chairs are set up. I'm helping with breakfast. I want to make sure I talk to Nick about the next men's ministry event that I want to volunteer. There's all kinds of reasons to come to church. I want to give you a new answer. Wait, answer? What's the question? Hey, you go to church? Yeah. Why? 
well, I believe in Jesus, or I've always gone, well, I really like the sermons, or the worship's amazing, you should see the new worship guy we got. Oh, they got a great children's program. There's all kinds of answers. Hey, why do you go to church? Oh, they let me volunteer. The last church kicked me out, whatever. <laughs> I, I, want, I, I want you to consider using that one word answer from now on. Why do you go to church? Listen. Oh, you really like the worship? No, that's, that's not what I'm listening to, right? Because now you can have fun with it, right? What are you listening to? I like the babies crying in the room next door. No. When they ask you, what are you listening to? Do you have the guts to answer it? Because I'll ask the question now, closed doors, Sunday morning, 940, and I know what answer I get. Who are you listening to? Right? That's what we need to be able to say on the street. I, I go to church, and when I walk into church, I'll walk in carefully. Why? Because I want to listen. I want to I hear what he's saying. I tell you the most common joke I, I hear as a pastor from people who've yet to come to church. What is it? Why well, can't go to church? Because as soon as I walk through those doors, what? Like, like, like something's going to happen. The place will cave in, right? There'll be an earthquake. Right? Like the place is going to fall apart. No. But in their joke, there's a tiny piece of truth. What is it? They know that there's something special that goes on here. There's something we do here no one else does. Yeah, the corner on the market. Isn't that weird? The church has the corner on the market. What's the market? God. I love that. I was talking to Gino. You love Gino. Those of you who know Gino, if you don't know Gino, you love Gino. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> right? Gino was our associate pastor here for quite a while. He, we launched him at a church out in the Central Valley. They're killing it, and he's now negotiating with another church that's struggling to have his church, Gino's church, help revitalize this other church a couple towns over. And they're raising up a dude in their church. We can call him dude, right? Uh, he's going to go over and, and maybe help be the pastor at this new place that's struggling. And he called me this week, and he was all depressed. Was he? He wasn't, was he? Was he? What was he? He couldn't stop talking. He's laughing, smiling, telling stories, cracking jokes. Why? Because he's got a corner on the market, and he's selling. They're listening to God, and he's doing things. I think one of the most important things we need to remember as a church, as Christians, as those who follow Christ when you show up to church. And how about this? When you show up other places, listen. Because God's doing something. And I, I love one of the things that Gino said. On the phone, it was like three, four days ago. He said, well, it's like we always say. The church is God's plan A for the gospel. And there is no plan B. Oh, 
Goosebumps? Anyone? Anyone? We guard our steps. Why? Because we're, we're walking into a, a, a great place represented by God himself. And, and you have more important than being connected or having friends or feeling like the teaching works for you or, or you can jive with the worship or they have programs that meet your stage of life. Think more important than any of that is you have an opportunity to hear from the Lord. That's it. What if we started thinking about it that way everywhere we went? I'm doing a wedding Saturday. I'm trying to think, how do I help them listen and hear from the Lord at a wedding? It's hard work. No matter where you are, no matter what you do. That's why we guard ourselves. And to draw near to listen, it's better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Do you know fools can offer sacrifices? Fools can do things for God or say they're doing things for God. And yet what? In the house of God, by the way, and they can do this as evil. I, I know this is probably a total newsflash for you, but evil happens at church. Have you figured this out yet? Evil can happen at church and, and you can generate it. How scary is that? One of, one of my worst experiences in life has been watching evil in a church environment. Christians, church, we're supposed to guard our step when we walk through the door and then watching how people treat each other. What? I had a lady at a church tell me, I was, I was like not the pastor, I was, I was an underling, right? pastor in training, whatever. I was one of the subordinate pastors. And the lady in the church, knowing who I was, that I was a pastor at the church, came up and said to me, well, it doesn't matter. I was here long before the pastor, and I'll be here long after him. And I pay his salary. I wanted so bad to say, um, can I show you the door? I wasn't the lead pastor, so I couldn't do that. But I was looking at the source of evil in a church. Distraction, lack of priority, chasing the wrong thing. Walking into God's house and fighting him rather than listening to him. Folks, I want to help you. I want to live life with you. I want to teach you. I want to make mistakes in front of you. I want to help you with your mistakes. I want us to have a great relationship. And I want to help you with all those things. There's a few things, so I need you to be dead clear on. You mess with God and his people in his house or outside of his house. And by the way, how many people are his people? All of them. I can't help you with that. I can't save you, I can't protect you, I can't fix you. you. You oppose God and his people. Right after last chapter, we talked about him saying, find a crowd and how can you comfort them? You get yourself in that kind of trouble. That's not a I can help you with. That's a you're in trouble. I can pray for you. 
But you getting out of that is going to be you and God and you drastically changing your perspective. Having an awakening. That's a dangerous place. And some have said that I push a little bit too hard on negative church behavior and that we won't put up with it here. And if you cause trouble and you're difficult and you hurt people, then I need your seat. But it's truth. This is God's house, God's people. We're doing God's will best we can. You start going after people, it's time to protect the sheep. Amen? Jeez, God, can we talk about something happy? Yes! Let's move on. Let's move on beyond evil. Gosh, we're only one verse in. Uh, verse two, be not rash with your mouth. What's that saying? Careful what you say. Nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. Careful what you say before God. You ever, you ever had somebody say, hey, hey, be careful. You can't say that. Well, nobody heard. I didn't say enough, loud enough for other people to hear. <laughs> There's some very faulty thinking in that, <laughs> right? The only set of ears that matters heard you every time. <laughs> and careful what you say before him, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. <laughs> I love when God gives us a news flash. Hey, by the way, in case you weren't paying attention, you're on earth, he's in heaven. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. You ever have somebody come and tell you something? And you shot the... You know, where's that phrase? Why is that phrase known? Why, why did it become a phrase? Because we, humans, we're really good at, oh, I don't like what they said, I will shoot them. I will attack them. I will call them names. In fact, we have some fairly famous people in our world today who like to call names. They attack the messenger. You know what God says? Don't do that. When? Ever. What if the message is from God? Not a good message. Maybe you don't like how the message was delivered. But what if it's truth? All truth comes from who? God. Okay. What if the messenger is still practicing messaging it? They're getting better at delivering bad news and God's having them practice on you. What's most important to you? That you teach them a lesson at getting better at their messaging or that you got a little shot at truth right then? It was in a pastoral counseling environment not long ago with more than one person. And it was fascinating how Neither could listen to the truth being shared by the other. 
they were too busy talking about how the other person said it or what the other person had done uh, and remembering old stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, can we get back to truth? Do you do that? Well, sometimes, but no, no, no. Leave your butt at home. Why do you do that? Don't mess with the messenger. That's the best way to remember it. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the works of your hands? Why would he do that? It comes right after you telling the messenger it was a mistake. And God says, wait, you... You rejected the message I was trying to send you? I need to send a clearer message. Have you figured this out? When God tries to send you a message and you don't accept the message, he'll send you a clearer message. Once in a blue moon, it's more clear and positive. My general experience is when I have missed the message, the next clearer message hurt. (laughs) Took a long time to recover from, ruined a relationship, cost me an opportunity. Give me shame, doubt, fear. What's God's priority? Giving you a happy and nicely delivered message or getting you the truth? And here, here's one of the concepts that I, that I delve into in my own life and the question that I ask. To what length will God go to get my attention? <laughs> I don't want to know. I, I want to know the least he has to do to get my attention. <laughs> was that the Lord? <laughs> no, that was just your stomach grumbling. You haven't had breakfast yet. Oh, okay. But if it was, I want to make sure I'm paying attention because when I miss his message or I reject his message, he'll send me a clearer one. Where am I? Seven. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violence the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher And there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way. What is? What's gain for a land in every way? Colon, here it is. A king committed to cultivated lands. Who's the king in this scenario? We've got an analogy, right? There's a king. In every analogy, pretty much, there's God also. I give you two options for who you are. You're either God or you're the king. Any guesses? You're the king. Okay? What if I'm a lady? Okay, don't get stuck on the gender thing. If you're in charge, you're the boss. Highest highest, uh, priority for you is to cultivate fields. What is that? Is that making a profit? Mm, Not quite. Are you producing something? Well, maybe not yourself. What are you producing? Stop protect, protect the country? Huh? Are you educating? No. 
Are you doing provision? Are you providing for people? When your priority is people, it's good for the land. You'll be a good queen, good king. It's a change in perspective, and it's different than our culture chases, right? Verse 10, he who loves money will, oh, there's our culture. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Nor he who loves wealth with his income, this also is vanity. When goods increase, watch this, this is fascinating. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. When you have you figured when you have more stuff, who shows up? The people that want that stuff. They will show up. They will consume. And when it's gone, where are they? No. You'll be sitting in the backyard by yourself. Maybe the dog. We want to have a bunch of stuff? That's great. You'll get a bunch of people around you who want all that stuff. And then the next thing you know, it'll be gone, and they'll be gone. And you'll be sitting there like Solomon. Uh, what exactly did I gain from that? What did I gain from all that work? Kind of weird. Goods increase, people increase. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? The only advantage is you got to witness the whole thing. You had front row seats. You ever had front row seats to a show you didn't want to go to? Right? You ever had tickets that you couldn't give away? Hey, got free tickets with the parking pass. Who wants to go? Uh, I'm busy. Uh, I'm doing laundry. I got a haircut. You're bald. I'm, I don't know. I'm going to go out and see about that. That's, the, that's that kind of show. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, for the full stomach, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. He is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. You know this. You've heard this before. Naked I came, naked I shall return. Right? This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, he shall go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness with much vexation and sickness and anger. You got a lot of stuff, but what are you doing with it? And stuff can be gone like that. And then what do you have? What about you got nothing and then all of a sudden you got a good business venture and now you got a lot? What kind of person are you when you got the lot? should be the same kind of person you are when you have the nil. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun when 
the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. There's your job. Enjoy what you have for the short amount of time that you have it. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. Whatever you have, that's a gift from God. Enjoy it while you can. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. He says, here's what I found you should do. Eat, drink, and be merry, right? Be happy, be joyful. What, what's this then? For he will not remember the days. Who's that? The one that God has blessed, given possession, power, influence, whatever. Gives him all those things and he says, that guy, if he decides to focus on being joyful and, and connecting with God, here's the thing. That guy won't be remembered later, but he won't remember his own days himself. He'll be too busy enjoying what he is. I got a new question. For me, you can adopt it if you want. I will not force this on you. But I want to know, and am I enjoying what I have enough right now to forget everything else? Am I really enjoying what God has done with me, for me, around me, and those that are in it? That could be indicting. It could be freeing. You spend a lot of time worrying about the relationship you don't have, the stuff you don't have, the job you didn't get, the opportunity you miss. Or, or you can run full speed in the lane that God's given you and absolutely knock it out of the park. Just kill it. Have a great time. Is, is that bordering on sounding like God wants you to have fun? I'm going to wedding Saturday. I'm going to try to help people listen and maybe hear God. You know what else I'm doing? I'm having fun. It's a wedding. It's where God placed me. Shouldn't we enjoy it? Don't be a bummer at a wedding, okay? Hey, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. 20 verses, Ecclesiastes 5. Guard your go to God. Be careful. Like when you go, one ask the question, where are you going? A couple verses down, he gets to, hey, those that got wealth, those that have possession, those that have this, those that have power. Hey, what's your priority? You can have a lot of priorities. Most people do. But like on the list of priorities, where does God stand in that? You know one of my greatest fears? One of my greatest fears is Sunday morning. I'm not afraid of what Bryce does. He's amazing. I'm not afraid of Megan, Jan, Brent, all the people, Therese, all of you. I'm a little afraid of the sound guys because they control the mic, right? All joking aside, my fear on Sundays is I have to stand up here. I have to talk about God. Things come out of my mouth and it needs to be right. God needs to be the priority period. 
when I go to church, pretty much every time I can find an alternative agenda for myself. Most of the time I can check an agenda that's at the forefront as I'm walking in and know that I need to be careful and not let that agenda press on what's supposed to happen here. It's kind of weird for me. Like, I'm usually the guy who talks, right? One of my challenges, when I go to church, how do I listen? That's, that's a tougher one. Now, I, I don't want to delve too far into your psyche and what your experience is, but I'm imagining that every single one of you have something that gets in the way of you listening when you walk in here. I have my own challenges. The greatest thing for all of us to do is to be aware of what those challenges are for us individually and walk in and say, regardless of that, I'm going to listen. God has an agenda for what's happening this morning. If I have to be part of something to where I'm late and I miss out on the cheesy potatoes, <laughs> then I miss out because I was listening. But how far does the gospel play out for us? What do you mean, the gospel? The good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Yeah, I know that it solves sin and it proves his power and, and it shows the unity of the Trinity and how they can give orders and follow commands and be obedient. There's so many different things. Fulfillment of prophecy, all that. I want to know what, what does the gospel do today playing out in you? What, what happened on the cross, what he's written to us, how does that affect, affect your ability to listen? You know, for so many people, the, the gospel is a faint sound and a dim light that can barely be heard or seen. I'm hoping that at our church, the gospel can be like my house when the kids are home. All the lights are on and it's loud as heck and I can't, <laughs> I know something's going on. And it's clear. That's where we need to be. So where are you going? Are you going to the house of God? Do you, do you come to church regularly? Why? Do you skip church? Why? When you skip, what's the priority? When you show up, what's the priority? This is not an attendance thing. Folks, I've never taken attendance. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I ain't taking attendance. If I'm ever in a business where I got to take attendance, I'm out. But why are we here? What's our priority? See, we show up to we show up to to church, we show up to God sometimes. Some, sometimes we show up in our prayers and we forget to guard our mouth, our heart, and our steps. We got rules for everybody else. We have priorities that we want God to conform to, and yet what, what do we allow to come out of our mouth? 
What is at the core of our heart? Where do we go? Spend our time and our money. One of the best parts of my job, folks, is getting to hear people deal with the Lord, talk about the Lord, come to some revelation, get some kind of acknowledgement or whatever, and and hear them talk about some of the best things I've heard in my life are because I'm a pastor. Man. Some of the places I've been able to walk have been because I'm a pastor. Some of the best places I've been able to go to because I was a pastor. I went to the graduation of a senior class Bible college in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. I never would have guessed that one. I've got to see people's heart. People give, donate, serve, do things I would could never imagine. Now, without getting any details, any guesses on whether I've seen the flip side of all those? Worst things I've ever heard said. Darkest hearts I've ever met. And people that were willing to do things that were unfathomable to me. In the name of Jesus. I say that with as much sarcasm as I possibly can because I don't think he was a part of it at all. Watching what people would do to each other. Guard your steps means guard your heart. Guard your mouth. What's going on inside of you? How many rules do you got? You got any rules? Non-negotiables. I will not. So long as I... Yeah, you got any of those? No matter what, how many of those you got? 12? 17? I got like 42, I think-ish. It's a round number. I've never counted them all. I have a lot. This one's going to hurt. How many of them are for other people and how many of them are for you? It used to be all my rules, all my non-negotiables, all my no matter what. All my foundational stuff was all about other people. And slowly as I have grown in my relationship with the Lord and read his word and been around people that do and tried some of these things, I've started to realize uh, that rule for, yeah, that one didn't work. Okay, how can I make that rule apply to me? I'll tweak it a little. All right, that one applies to me. I've been slowly changing the rules for myself. And eliminating rules for other people. Because I'm trying to guard myself. Guard my own mouth. Guard my own heart. Guard my own footsteps. We we tracking that? And then lastly, enjoy the God-given. Enjoy the God-given. A couple times in the passage, it says something about this is the gift of God. What, What is that? Your toil, your time, the few days that you have, where he's put you. That's That's the place. And by the way, in your pursuit of that, go to God. Go carefully, but go to him. I mean, get around to other people and ask their advice, but your primary source, who's your primary source? God himself. How do you reference that primary source? What works best for you? 
Are you a sermon guy? Listen to as many sermons as you can. Go find some podcasts of other pastors. Listen to more than just me. I won't be offended. I do the same thing. I'm a sermon guy. I got a guy I've been listening to for over a decade. I listen to all of his sermons. Pretty much. I'm not going to tell you who he is. He's my pastor. <laughs> but find, like, are you a worship person? Show up at Dwell. Sing when you're here. Find radio stations, find music, whatever you can. But, but find your way to interact with God. You know that's what we did June 30th, Sunday night, right in here, 7 o'clock? We were finding ways to interact. How do we go to God? Anybody notice the mirrors? What was that? Was that our like, artistic little attempt to be contemporary? No. I moved on from contemporary a long time ago. That was one of the exercises we did. It was fun. It was interesting. Some people loved it. Some people were confused. I'm not going to tell you what it was. I'm going to sit the thing on the stage for months and let you wonder and see if curiosity will drag you here to find a new way to go to God. See what it does for you. Because you have to go to God in order to listen. You see, we enjoy the God-given. Whatever God has given you, enjoy it, right? And, and you start that by listening. What's he saying? What has he said? Have you figured out that most of us have questions about what God is going to say? Do you know how you figure out what God is going to say? You figure out what he said, and you figure out what he's saying. That will give you the best clue as to what God will say, or is going to say. That's fun. But the art of listening, practice, and perfect it. The best people you know are great at listening. And the ones that are better than them, listen to God first. Be one of them. Amen? Lord, we go a lot of places, and we go a lot of places unguarded. We go in pursuit of. I pray, Lord, that you would change our primary pursuit to listening. We want to know what you're saying, Lord. Thank you for sharing what you've said. I pray both will put us on the path to knowing what you will say. Thank you for the offering, Lord, that we're about to receive. We pray that you would bless it and use it to help us as a church be a church that listens. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.